It's Rugby Round Banter, episode 210. Hi, Sherry's. It's me, the late Eddie Stevens. I'm not dead. Don't panic. I just mean I'm late again. I'm late so often that you can just refer to me as the late Eddie Stevens. Usually you have to die to earn that title, but I think I deserve it now. The time is 1 p.m. precisely. My time. On a Wednesday. What a fucking loser. I don't care. I've been very, very ill. Uh, I think I told you last week my voice was barely working. I basically haven't had a solid night's sleep since that day. In like a week now, I've had this cough and sore throat, but I'm getting a bit better. Um, let's see, what have I been? What have I been up to since I saw you last? Well, I, I said fuck you to an elderly man at an open mic on Monday night. That was cool. Um, it was actually kind of funny, which is good because it was a comedy open mic. Uh, I went into this. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to open mics, but they're usually, at least in the US, they're in like breweries and bars and shit like that. Um, and there's one at this brewery, and I didn't see until I went up to perform that there was an elderly couple hidden, like in a corner, like in a little nook. Um, and it pissed me off because basically every single horrible set I've ever had in my life, there's been an elderly, it might be the same elderly couple. <clears throat> they just. Look, I respect the old, the elderly, um, not because they deserve respect necessarily, but because I want respect when I, I'm older. I feel like we should have an agreement that we treat the elderly really, really, really well because it's going to suck when we replace them. And we're the ones huddled in a corner at an open mic where we don't understand any humor um, <clears throat> and anyone saying the word tits is suddenly the most offensive person in the world. And that's what happens with these old people at these shows is I go up there and I'll usually say something, you know, doesn't it? Sometimes it's just cheeky, but they'll look at me like they are my grandparents and they've just found out that I've been masturbating to tranny porn, you know? Um, and I've had it happen too many times. So I gave them a bit of a hard time about that. They were really upset. Like I could tell they were really annoyed and they were old. They, they were proper old, not like cool sixties old. They were post 70 and not cool. <clears throat> after the show that piece of shit aj martinez said to me nobody over 60 should ever be at a comedy show which i don't agree with because there's some cool older people but they are the the minority generally speaking don't be there if you're there. I, I don't want to be when i'm in my 60s or 70s i don't want to be listening to whatever dog shit they consider comedy you know can you imagine how woke and awful it'll be anyway it doesn't matter the important thing is i finished my set and as i walked off stage the old man gave me like a dirty look and I just looked, I leaned in as I walked past and I went, yeah, fuck you. I almost hit him. I just don't, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm in a bad mood. Um, I'm in a bad mood today because I haven't slept. Also, my girlfriend is in a terrible mood. She started her day all pissy with me and that's not fun. Her period is imminent. You know it. Um... But my girlfriend's not as bad as other girlfriends I've had generally in terms of moodiness. I completely take that back. I'm just way better. <laughs> I'm just way better at tolerating it and dealing with it. I learned from my bitch, cunt, slut, fuck whore ex-wife and other girlfriends I've had how to navigate when they're um, being difficult. And so we're almost two years in now and it doesn't feel, feel that long. In fact, somebody said to me the other day, how long have you and uh, Stuke, that's my girlfriend's name, how long have you two been together? And I said, um, yes, like Elliot Stuke. Um, and I said, oh, it's coming up on two years in like a month. Um, what month is it now, February? In two, uh, two months. 
And he goes, oh, well, that's a pretty long-term relationship. And I didn't like the sound of that, long-term. Because terms, are, that's literally prison terminology, isn't it? How many terms are you doing? And it made me feel weirded out by it. It's like, oh, yeah, how much, how much, how long is your term? Oh, I don't know, uh, eight to 10, depending on good behavior. Oh, I might get out sooner. I don't know yet. Um, it just creeped me out. Uh, so I've been mean to her and now she's in a bad mood today. Uh, let's see. It's the Six Nations. Uh, we're coming up on round two of the Six Nations. Um, lots to talk about. I did already do a England's uh, rating video on my Rugby Ranta Banter YouTube channel. Please check that out if you haven't yet. Um, been chatting a lot with the brethren, getting gaslighted or gaslit by them. Um, but of course, I know what I'm talking about because I got my finger on the pulse. So if you want to know what I'm talking about and therefore you want the truth, what the hell am I talking about? It's too late. I'm too deep into this intro. We'll just get on with it. All right. It's Rugby Ranta Banter, episode 210. Let's go. Okay, what have we learned from the opening round of this year's Six Nations? Well, nothing we didn't already know, really. The only sort of big shock was that uh, France were as bad as they were. But, you know, we do know that France traditionally have always been capable of massively underperforming. And it's not like mind-blowing to find out that they're not the same team without DuPont. Um, Ireland are the most consistent and complete team in Northern Hemisphere rugby. They played how you would expect them to play. Italy, they always perform well in the opening round. They always push teams close in games like this, but they're basically incapable of winning against the better teams. Um, Scotland can play amazing rugby, but they were against Wales, who are frustratingly difficult to beat, regardless of the quality or lack thereof of their players, as long as Gatland is in charge. and then England, well, England always, 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 always flatter to deceive at the, be- at the start of a Six Nations. It's the same every fucking year now, I feel like. We look slightly shaky in defence and slightly unable to take our chances in attack, but we do squeak by and end up winning some rugby. And at the end of the year, English fans are usually like, well, we're, well, sorry, at the end of the tournament, most of us uh, as English fans are like, well... Uh, not too bad considering there's, it looks like we're building, there's a plan. And then every non-English rugby fan says England were shit and or lucky and or cheating somehow. Um, so it's just the first round, but nothing mind blowing has come out of this. But listen, this is rugby round to banter. I talk about English rugby. So let's talk about that performance against Italy. As I said in the intro, I already did a uh, player ratings video on uh, my YouTube channel, Rugby Ranta Banter, not Eddie Stevens. There's like an Eddie Stevens training channel. Don't worry about that. Go to Rugby Ranta Banter and see that. You can disagree with everything I say. Um, but just looking at that performance against Italy, uh, you know, and I am, it is a fading memory for me right now. What went well? Okay. What didn't go well? Well, 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 well. Let's start with what went well. Shall I, I got to stop saying well. Let's start with what 
let's start with the pros, okay, from this uh, opening game, England versus Italy. First of all, a thing that I haven't heard people really talk about, in fact, I don't know if people even agree with me, but I felt like the scrums were a huge success. Because our scrummages, our scrummaging, if not the biggest area, area of concern, was certainly the second biggest for me in the build-up to the Six Nations. There were two things that I was concerned about. One was the scrum, because even premiership teams seem to struggle in scrums against some of the Celtic nations and the England scrum has come undone in key matches at key times too many times. But the scrums, other than the one scrum where uh, Beno Abano got penalised, I think we were pretty damn solid. Maybe not dominant, but I'll take it. I just want parity in the scrums. I don't want it to be a weakness for us. So that was a good thing. Um, some of the players had good games. I thought Tommy Freeman looked great. Um, and by the way, I really like seeing Tommy Freeman and Freddie Stewart on the field together, two big, powerful carriers in the back line. Um, however, I do want to say really quickly, that I, I know I'm talking prawns, prawns, prawns right now, pros. Um, and I don't want to be negative, but it is my nature for Italy's second try. Stewart looked slow as fuck. Now, I'm not saying some people just go, oh, he's too slow. He shouldn't be the England fullback. I still think he's fucking fantastic, but that is a concern. But anyway, love seeing, um, I thought, um, I actually thought Freddie Stewart had a good game. I think overall that was a, a positive as well. Um, so yeah, Tommy Freeman looked great. Uh, what was I going to say next? Oh, Joe Marler was good in general. I thought Marrow had a fucking great game, not getting enough credit for his performance. Solid debut for debut for Roots, although I'm not quite as hard as most people seem to be over his performance. I thought it was good. Um, I thought Elliot Daly looked really good, even though apparently a lot of people think he was shit and should be dropped, which makes no sense to me. I thought he was, other than the stupid trip, I don't know what the hell happened there, but other than that, he was doing everything that you would want him to do well. He looks fast, looks dangerous, looks great in defense, chases kicks really well. Um, I really like having him and Freeman on the wings. Um, so those are two things that went... The, the, sorry, the scrums went well. Some good performances from some players. I'm probably forgetting some as well. And then finally, the the third sort of positive from that game was we won. And that's something, in it? Like... I thought for a while that we weren't going to win. Going into the match, I was very confident, but there was a, there were some really shaky moments. Speaking of shaky moments, what about the bad things? What didn't go well? Well, our defence generally was very shaky, very um, porous. Now, here's the thing. I think most of us can agree that we've got a new defence coach in who has been you know, has been successful, albeit with a team that traditionally don't struggle with defense. Um, but what's interesting that I heard, just to sort of put a little bit of sugar on this, apparently, I don't follow South African rugby enough to know this, but I heard somewhere that when, um, <coughs> I can't remember his fucking name now, uh, Tommy, is it Tommy something? The Irish, um, our new defense coach, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Um, but apparently when he first took over at South, a with South Africa, they, um, their defense was a bit shaky for a while. It took them a while to get used to it. And, um, 
that at least gives me some hope, right? So I think we can sort of um, we can sort of let. By the way, I was sneakily while I was talking trying to look up the England defence coach, but it's everything says Kevin Sinfield still. Um, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. Anyway, um, I think we can all agree that we can give them a bit of a pass for the shaky defence, but they're going to have to improve quickly. Second bad, um, it's negative to take out of that England performance, was our midfield had no oomph at all. I'm just going to use the word oomph. It's the best I can come up with. Um, It was exactly what I was concerned about. It was exactly what I predicted. And I, I don't see any way of changing it significantly with the players we have available. But that's a big area of concern. That was the biggest area of concern before this match was just not just, I'm not putting it all on Fraser Dingwall. I do think, and I'm on the record for saying, I don't think he's quite big or physical enough, but um, even before he was brought in, that was an area of concern for all of us, right? We were arguing about who should be 12. Ollie Lawrence is the only person that's looked really competent at 12, but people get upset about the numbers on, on the players' backs and say he shouldn't be there. Uh, well, he can't be there now, so we've had to rethink things and stick Fraser Dingwall, who has been a really good centre for Saints, although plays mostly at 13. Um, <laughs> everybody keeps talking about him like he's an out-and-out 12. He plays 13 a lot at Saints, and they tend to have Hutchinson at 12. Um, not always. I'm not saying he's never played 12, and he's certainly played 12 more than anyone else available or that's not true, but then anyone else that's really been in the conversation. But um, I've lost train of thought, That my train of thought there. You get the jizz of what I'm trying to tell you. Um, this is a big problem. We need to have, uh, one way or another, we need our midfield to have a more positive impact, both in defense um, and in attack. Okay, and then the third big issue we have, speaking of attack, is we just don't, quite look clinical enough and it's something that has dogged english english performances for years now it's like we should i should be used to it but it's just it's so frustrating that no matter who's in charge no matter i mean i, I know there are exceptions to this england's had some great performances you're all thinking of england versus new zealand semi-final but the general sort of consistent um performance that we see from england is is um god damn it sorry i'm so i'm so fucking tired the generally what we get used to seeing with england is that we flatter to deceive we we even when the forwards and the forwards weren't great in this match by the way they weren't we weren't getting a lot of really good front football we just didn't seem quite aggressive enough but even when we do get good front football we don't tend to take take our opportunities when they're presented not that it was all doom and gloom and terrible england did do some good stuff in this match but generally speaking it was kind of um underwhelming wasn't it and sometimes frustrating and i'm i'm kind of bored of seeing i don't know what to do about it because i it's not like we just have a you know god-given right to tear other teams defenses apart and win rugby every time we play but you know, you look at other teams, you look at a team like Scotland. Scotland are by no means one of the, I mean, 
I wouldn't say they're top three in the world, would you? No, you wouldn't. It's going to be South Africa, Ireland, France. You could have an argument for New Zealand. You could have an argument for, well, I guess that's it, right? Um, you could have an argument for, argument for England, but that would not be based on facts. Um, well, actually, it is based on facts because you can say we came third at the World Cup, but realistically, we're not up there, are we? But my point is this. You look at a team like Scotland. No one is saying they're fucking World Cup contenders. Um, no one's saying it is. However, when you see them play, whether they win or lose, there's pleasant things being done. They're not really shitting the bed and disappointing in major ways. Like their pack tends to play well, you know, they scrummage well. They're they're, um, they're decent in the tight. They 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 um, everybody does their job, and it's it's entertaining. And sometimes they're not going to come out on top. But do you get what I'm saying? Like with England, it's never it's never really like that. It always feels like we're either just grinding out a very professional win with intelligent kicking and super aggressive defense and some good ball carrying, or we're kind of fucking things up a little bit. And maybe we squeeze a win. Maybe we lose. It's just, this is what I've gotten used to with England. It's just kind of an annoying team to support. Maybe it sounds like I'm being way too hard on England right now. Cause you know, it wasn't the world, you know, the worst performance I've ever seen by an England team. And there are all sorts of um, factors that come, you know, injuries and new defense, all the things I've mentioned. Um, even just coaching in general, Borthwick is still new. So I, I know there's all of that. But overall, I am a little bit frustrated with the way that we tend to play. The World Cup was strange in that this is very much how I felt up until we got through to the quarterfinals and then things were amazing. Um, still not like perfect, but you know, that semi-final and then the third place playoff really did put a positive light on England, sort of England's performances as a whole. But now I feel like I've come back down to earth and I'm not, I'm kind of just, I don't know. Like I said, what I really want is I don't need England to be completely dominant and spanking everyone, but I do want to see, you know, consistency and um, an ability to play rugby and not, to be honest, sometimes it's embarrassing with England, the way that we play. I'm being way too hard on us, aren't I? Let's move on. How about the team for Wales this weekend, which I'm very excited about, but very nervous about. Very hard to know what to expect from Wales, first of all, after that performance. I mean, my God, talk about giving us no clues whatsoever. What, which Welsh team are we going to face? The first half Welsh team or the second half? More likely the second half, because Wales will play a lot better against us than they did against Scotland because they're going to be way more fired up. And that second half and coming as close to winning as they came, I don't think they could have prepared better for this match. I just, it's, it's awful. (laughs) It's bad for us. And I've got a very bad feeling we might lose this. Although bizarrely, I don't think it would be the end of the world. You'd think it would be because this Welsh team on paper on Piepa is nothing is weak. The weakest Welsh team we've seen in a long time. But I could just see if we lost to them... Do you know what? I'm trying to put a positive spin on the idea of losing to Wales. It would be terrible. But 
what team should we have? What's the best team to play against Wales? Well, guess what I think? And this might surprise you. The exact same team that we put out against Italy. It's tempting to make some changes. I wasn't super happy about George Ford. Um, I thought, given you know why he was in the team, I don't think he delivered. I think he was... Uh, some of his kicking was his tactical kicking was uh, left a lot to be desired. Don't think he instilled a lot of confidence. I don't think he, I just felt like it, it didn't look like the George Ford that we like to see playing it almost felt like a new cap playing. It was, he was just a bit shaky. Um, and I love Finn Smith, you know, it took, it took me a while with Finn Smith. I didn't quite see it when he was at Worcester. And then even at Saints for a while, I wasn't sure, but he's grown on me and I do think he could do a great job starting. But I just think that with building, we got to get some consistency. And even in the midfield, you know, I have, not on this podcast maybe, because I've been doing it a lot on social media, but I've criticized the performance of and the inclusion of Fraser Dingwall a lot. Um, However, the only alternative is to put um, a Jomo in at 12, and maybe that would be an inspired choice, but I'm just not... I, I feel like there, you're, you're almost like... It's almost a gamble. Like, you put Fraser Dingwall in, and maybe he's not going to provide enough, as I keep calling it, oomph. Um, but then he's going to be... You know, he's not going to do anything really, really stupid, whereas a Jomo will provide more oomph. Look at his ass. Right, but much more likely to do something silly. So I just think it makes much more sense to stick with the exact same squad, build some consistency. Um, the only change I would say is, yeah, obviously if Gen- if Ellis Genge is available, bring him on in place on the bench instead of Abano. Um, pretty sure there's no one else available. Uh, oh, Sam Underhill, I didn't mention. I thought was very underwhelming an underwhelming underhill uh but fuck no i wouldn't drop him even though another positive that i didn't mention i did a very bad job of the, this podcast is shit today um but cunningham south was really really good coming off the bench but i wouldn't start him i, I certainly wouldn't start him ahead of sam underhill um and roots was man of the match and ben earl is great um, ben Earl wasn't super outstanding in that in against Italy, but he was, you know, he did get some go forward when he carried. Um, no, you stick with the team you got and you build on that. Uh, Feo Waboso on the bench, I like. I definitely think it would be dangerous to start him against Wales because you're just setting him up, setting him up for failure. He's young and inexperienced. He's going to be learning from this Six Nations campaign. You don't want to stick him in from the get-go. And then he has a fucking shocker because he makes a mistake that anyone with his limited experience could make. And all of a sudden, you know, you've damaged his confidence. I don't like that. Have him on the bench and then hopefully you can bring him on to destroy Welsh lives. Um, I am now wondering if, if this is a long enough podcast, it's going to be approximately 20 minutes, a little over 20 minutes, but you know what? That's fine. I'm really, really tired and I got to go do a leg workout. I do these leg circuits that are absolutely horrible. It's the only workout of the week that I, that I actually dread everything else. I enjoy. I love running. I run a lot. I love 
lifting heavy weights. I love doing like bodybuilding training. I love pull-ups. I love push-up. I love everything. But my, these leg circuits are fucking awful because it's just, I just do a massive, um, what you call it? Volume. There's just so many goddamn reps. I have found that my legs respond better to tons and tons and tons of variations of different leg exercises with lighter weight than they do to um, your traditional heavy squats. Although I do those two on a separate day. Anyway, this is getting really boring. I'm going to go. This very well may have been a waste of all of our time, but I don't care. I'm tired. I'm not feeling well. And I'm very, very um, randy. So I'm going to go take care of that. Um, follow me on Instagram at Eddie Stevens Massive. Follow me on TikTok if you're a freak uh, at Eddie Stevens Zero. And for the love of fucking Christ, just go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Rugby Rant Banter. I'm going to go. Okay, bye.